Good morning and welcome to another People's Church Church at Home service. We are so glad that you could join us today again on this platform. Today is a special day. Today is Mother's Day. And I would like to take this moment to wish each and every mother that is watching or listening a happy Mother's Day. We really do appreciate mothers. Mothers actually sacrifice a lot. They sacrifice their body. They sacrifice their sleep, their social life. They even sacrifice eating hot meals. And lastly, they sacrifice their sanity for love. So if you're a mother this morning, we would like to let you know that we love and appreciate you. Now we're going into a time of worship shortly. And after that, Mr. Maluleka will encourage us with a word of giving. That will be followed by Pastor Mondli, who will be sharing the word of God with us this morning. Now I'm so excited to announce that this week we are starting a brand new series on relationships. And this series is titled Relationships That Are Built to Last. We will be sharing principles that we believe will help people have better and stronger relationships. And this series is not just for those who are married or those that are in relationships already or even those who would one day like to get married. It is for every single person. It's for everyone. And we hope that you benefit from this series in the four weeks um, period that we're going to embark on. Enjoy the service.
Church, uh, my name is Sunzukani, and I'm here to give you the offering message for today. Uh, I would like to first start by saying Happy Mother's Day to all our, mother, our wonderful mothers. The most beautiful way to celebrate this day is by thanking God for being blessed by the mothers that we have. Thank you for everything that you do for us. May God richly bless you. So for today, I'd like for us to read from the book of Deuteronomy chapter 8, uh, verses 17 to 18. And it reads as follows. You may say to yourself, My power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is, it is He who gives you 
the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant which he sought to your ancestors as it is today. From the word wealth, I would like for us to also add work, earnings, savings, spending, etc. We are not editing the Bible by just but just adding some of the blessings that we might be overlooking. Scripture says it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Therefore, it is required for us to give back to the one who gives us the ability to create those things. Giving back to God allows for the church to do meaningful work for the kingdom of God. The church is able to reach out to those that are in need and to also get the word of God to the world. I would like to end by by saying, let us remember the Lord our God and we will lack nothing. Thank you. What does being a mother mean to you? Uh, being a mother to me means a, a lot of uh, selfless devotion to your children. It also means a limitless sacrifice and also I mean, uh, countless uh, actions of love, that unconditional love which you can give to your kids. What does being a mom mean to me? Being a mom means more than having given birth to a child. It's loving and caring for a soul, even before you see it. It's caring and caring for life completely dependent on you for your survival. It's building their self-esteem, supporting their dreams, and loving them unconditionally. It's responsibility as all eyes on you all the time. Being a mother to me means being a jack of all trades. As a mother, you are a psychologist, you are a doctor, you are a nurse, you are a teacher, you are a problem solver, you are everything that you can think of. Being a mother means heaven to me. I'm just crowded with the crown that will never be taken away from me. The crown of wisdom, knowledge, might, understanding, love, mercy, and the fear of the Lord. What do you enjoy about being a mother? Um, being a mother, I enjoy seeing my children grow up, seeing my children going through all those milestones. And I also learned that children grow differently. They don't grow the same. And what I enjoy most by being a mother, I enjoy having many kids that recognize me with the title of being a mother to them. Being surrounded with my biological children and my adopted children, I enjoy standing in the gap for them and encouraging and molding them. And when I see them growing up, I become so excited. The thing that I enjoy most is seeing my kids uh, play, laugh, and also seeing uh, pieces of myself on them. You know, it's, it's so amazing how you can go back to your childhood also and connect. So that's the thing that I love the most, uh, seeing my kids play, laugh, and seeing myself in them. What do I love the most about being a mom is that I get to be a child again. I get to enjoy all the childish and ridiculous things that kids get up to and do and be involved in it and enjoy it with them and not knowing that no one's holding anything against me when I'm being a, a kid. 
that's the one thing I enjoy the most. Um, sometimes the responsibility gets a little hectic, but every time I think of my kids, it's all well worth it. Happy Mother's Day. You're the best mother in the world and no one can ever replace you. I love you so much. Happy Mother's Day, I love you so much. Happy Mother's Day. Uh, we appreciate everything our mothers have done for us, you know. Uh, they support us, they, we appreciate everything they've done for us, you know, they have a house, they give us a house to live in, they give us food, they give us warm beds to sleep in, without them, well, we wouldn't be anywhere. Happy Mother's Day, I love you so much, Mom, and all the mothers out there, I hope they spoil you rotten. Happy Mother's Day, I know we don't appreciate you much, but thank you for always being there for us. Love you so much. Happy Mother's Day. I love you very much. I'll tell the world I'll sing a song. It's a better place since you came along. Since you came along. Your touch is sunlight through the trees. Your kisses are the ocean breeze. Everything's alright when you're with me. Good morning, church at home. It's so good to be with you again. Pastor Kulu and myself have been on holiday for two weeks, but now we're back. It was great to be away, to just rest a little bit. And today I'm excited because today we are starting a brand new series on relationships that is titled uh, Relationships That Are Built to Last. And so basically what's going to happen is that this series is going to run throughout the month of May. And what we'll be doing is that we'll be sharing principles and lessons and things that we believe are going to help you as you build relationships that are godly, that are healthy, and that are strong. In fact, that is our heart for this series, is to see people helped, you know, to build relationships that are godly, healthy, and strong. And so be sure to invite anyone and everyone that you believe will be able to benefit from this series. That is our heart, is to help people out. And so, who is this series for? This series is for everybody. It's for everyone. You know, it doesn't matter whether you are in a relationship already or you are not. It doesn't matter whether you are married or not. It doesn't even matter if you would like to ever get married one day or not. We believe that you will be able to pick up principles that will help you for life. Even if you are not a believer, I believe that you will be able to pick up something that will help you in your life. Because here's the thing about principles. Principles simply work regardless of whether you believe in them or not. Think about the principle uh, that things that go up must at some point go down. Think about also the principle of sowing and reaping. These things work regardless of your race, regardless of your religion, or even your political affiliation. They work because they are principles. And so if you wouldn't consider yourself to be a believer and you are here, I want you to know that I'm excited that you are here. And I believe that you'll be able to pick up something that will help you. So definitely take what helps you. You can leave what doesn't help you. I promise I will not get offended. 
And today, since it is day one of the series, I thought it would be a good place for us to start by just looking at the purpose of relationships. And so that is what we are going to do today, is just to look at the purpose of relationships. And the message uh, that I'm going to preach is titled, Mission-Minded. And that's what we're going to do. And so even though, uh, you know, some of the things that we're going to talk about relate specifically to married people or to husbands and to wives, but I'd like to assure you that the principles work in other relational contexts just as well. You know, the principles are not uh, strictly confined or exclusive to the marriage or marital context. They work in other contexts as well. So don't shrink back, don't shut down. But lean in, you know, open your ears, listen up, and take notes if you would like to. You are going to be benefited uh, uh, through this uh, message and through this series as well. And before we go into the content for today, I would just like to lay this foundation that I believe that relationships are not something that was invented by us, are not something that, were, that was created by us, but that relationships uh, together with us were actually created by God for a specific purpose, for a purpose. And that is what we are going to do today. And the important thing to note about purpose is that in the same way that you and I can actually make a complete mess of our lives if we are living them outside of the purpose that God created us for. In that same way, we can also make a complete mess in the area of relationships if we do not keep in mind, if we do not engage in relationships with that context in mind, with that purpose in mind. And so that is why it is so important in my mind for us to be able to understand what the purpose of relationship is as we go into this into the series. In fact, I would even go as, f- as far as to say that I believe, you know, that much of the pain that can be attributed to relationships right now is actually because we engaged in relationships outside of the, of the purpose that they were created for in the first place. And so I believe that is what we need to do, and that is why. Uh, we are going to be looking at the purpose of relationships today. And so, if you have a pen and a paper, and you are a person who takes notes, write this down. This is the first principle of relationships that are built to last. And it is that the basis of the relationship needs to be something other than the relationship. I know that this sounds, you know, a little bit weird, but I think it is true. Let me say it again, that the basis of the relationship needs to be something other than the relationship. Tim Keller wrote a book which is titled uh, The Meaning of Marriage. And in the book, he, the, I just want to read you an excerpt of what comes from that book. This is what it says. It says, Friendship arises when two or more discover that they have in common some insight or interest. As Emerson said, Do you love me means do you see the same truth? Or at least, do you care about the same truth? The man who agrees with us that some question, little regarded by others, is of great importance, can be our friend. That is why those pathetic people who simply want friends can never make any. The very condition of having friends is that we should want something else besides friends. Where the truthful answer to the question, do you see the same truth, would be, I don't care about the truth. I just want you to be my friend. No friendship can arise. Friendship must be about something, even if it were only an enthusiasm for dominoes or white mice. 
Those who have nothing can share nothing. And those who are going nowhere can have no fellow travelers. This, for me, explains, you know, that, that paradox that we sometimes find ourselves in, uh, that in those moments when we most want to get into a relationship, when you are obsessed about our need to get into a relationship, well, what happens? We find that no one finds us interesting. No one wants to get into a relationship with us. And then later in our lives, when we have completely forgotten about relationships, we are simply just minding our own business, going about with life, then in those moments, all of a sudden, people find us interesting and we might even get into a relationship at that point. It is because the, the basis of the relationship needs to be about something else other than the relationship. In Amos chapter 3, verse 3, we find this. And it says, can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction? And so two things can basically happen in a relationship where there is no shared purpose, where there is no shared, you know, vision outside of the relationship itself. One of the things that can happen is this, that the relationship actually never goes anywhere. And in fact, it cannot go anywhere. Imagine two people uh, working together, but they are going in completely different directions. They are going to different destinations. There is no shared, uh, common, and agreed upon direction. That relationship will not go anywhere. In fact, it will end up in frustration. And this is where, you know, you find situations where your entire family, including your grandmother, uh, you know, comes to you and they ask you this question. And they say, we know that he is cute, but does he have any plan for his life whatsoever? You know, does he have a vision for his life? Does he know what he wants to do with his life? You know, cute as he is, does he have a purpose in life? And the other thing that can happen is that the mission of the relationship actually becomes about the people in the relationship. So if there is no objective rela I mean, uh, mission or purpose uh, that binds the two people together, the mission actually ends up being about each other. You know, and, you, and that's why you hear people say things like, you fulfill me, you, know, you are the other half that makes me whole, I was made for you. Those kinds of things, which actually sound great at first. But in the end, it ends up being shallow. Uh, and that's also because uh, the, the neediness of each person basically sucks out all the life in the relationship. And this also ultimately leads to frustration and disappointment. And so for two people to be able to work together harmoniously, there needs to be a shared mission that is much bigger than the fact that the other person is funny, or that they are cute, or that they are rich, or that they even look hot. There needs to be a shared mission that is higher, that is bigger than the relationship itself. And so there's two questions that I would like you to ask yourself about the relationship that you are in right now. And the two questions are, where are we going and what are we doing? You know, those are the questions that get to the bottom. Those are the questions that get to the mission, to the purpose, you know, about the relationship that you are in. And remember this, that those who have nothing can share nothing. And those who are going nowhere can have no fellow travelers. This is why it's so important to understand the mission, to understand the purpose of the relationship. And so the other thing is this, that for a relationship to be healthy, that this shared mission or this common purpose needs to be objective and not subjective. 
This is also important and to say it differently. In other words, the mission of my current relationship cannot be about me. It cannot be that the relationship exists to fulfill me, you know, to make me whole, to affirm me, to excite me, or even to make me look good or to make me look a, a, a particular way. It cannot be that, you know. And so if you are taking note, write this down as well, that a shared or common purpose that is outside of the relationship is the thing that will hold you together when the looks fade, the money runs out, and the novelty wears off. I'll say it again, that a shared or common purpose that is outside of the relationship is the thing that will hold you together when the looks fade, the money runs out, and the novelty wears off. Because make no mistake, at some point, the novelty will wear off. And so, no relationship can survive for long and be healthy without a purpose outside of itself. Think about a shared adventure you know, a shared mission, or even an, a shared ideal. That is the thing, that is the glue, that is the bedrock that keeps a healthy marriage together or a healthy relationship together. And so up to until this point, we have not talked about anything that is exclusively Christian. This is just something that is true. This is just something that is a principle that works regardless of whether you would consider yourself spiritual or not. And what we are going to do now is to turn to the scriptures, turn to the Bible to hear what it has to say regarding the purpose of Christian relationships. And so if you have your Bibles with you, quickly turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5, where we will read from verses 22 right up until the end of the chapter. And so as you do that, let me just pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much, Lord, that relationships are a gift from you. And so now, Father, we pray as we are about to go into your word, Lord, that you open our minds, open our hearts, Father, and open our ears so that we may receive insight and we may receive truth from your word that will help us engage in relationships in a way that glorifies your name. We pray for all this in Jesus Christ's mighty name. Amen. And so Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22. I hope you are helped, that you are being helped so far. And so this is what Paul writes. He says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her by cleansing her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, Husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own body, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. 
And so there are passages of Scripture that after you have read them, you know, you just ask yourself, what possessed someone to write something like this? And so for me, this is one of those passages because just the sheer depth of insight is astounding. And obviously, Paul was inspired by the Holy Spirit when he wrote uh, this passage of Scripture. And so what we'll do is that we'll revisit this passage of Scripture a few times over the next couple of weeks as, you con as we continue with the series. But today, we are just looking uh, at, at, this at this particular portion of Scripture and wanting to find out the purpose behind marriages. And that is going to help us to be able to, to understand what the purpose of relationships, of the other relationships, may be. And so, before we go into dissecting the Scripture... Let me ask you a question. As I was reading this, I was just thinking, you know, have you ever heard of the expression, Jesus is the answer? I have. And I'm convinced that Paul absolutely believed that to be true because it really didn't matter what the question was. For Paul, the answer is always Jesus. And so we're also going to see that clearly as we continue with the series. And so basically here in this portion of Scripture, what Paul does is something that is absolutely amazing. He's able to take God's vision for the institution of marriage, which basically, basically comes from uh, Genesis chapter 2. He's able to take that and able to link it to its New Testament purpose, which is, you know, something that was revealed to him by the Holy Spirit, no doubt. So he quotes Genesis chapter 2 verse 24, where it says, Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And here he answers the question, for what purpose? And that is our question. That is what we would like to understand. For what purpose? Why is the man leaving his father and mother and being united to his wife? Well, for that question, verse 32 actually helps us. Where Paul writes this and he says, this mystery is profound. And I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. And so to try and capture what Paul is saying in another way, I would say this, that the mystery of marriage is that marriage is not primarily about marriage. Marriage is primarily about Christ and the church. So, whoa, 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 what am I saying? Am I saying that marriage has nothing to do with romance and babies and two people who love each other dearly? Is that what I'm saying? That's not what I'm saying. You know, what I am saying is that marriage as an institution is primarily a picture of the relationship between Jesus Christ and the church. So, yes, it is also about all these other things, but primarily, it's about Christ and the church. In fact, if you just have a look at the passage of Scripture that we read, it's, it's, it's quite long. There's, a, there's lots of verses in there. But if you look at it, ask yourself this question. How much of it is actually about marriage and how much of it is about the gospel, Jesus Christ and the work that he does for the church? Ask yourself that question and you'll be able to see that very little about it is actually about a marriage explicitly. And most of that passage is actually about Christ. It's about the gospel. It's about what Jesus Christ does in the church. And so that is the, 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 the purpose of marriage. And by definition, actually, marriage has a higher purpose by this definition. And that higher purpose is, is the demonstration of the relationship between Jesus Christ 
and the church. And remember what I said earlier in my introduction, that the basis of the relationship needs to be something other than the relationship. Well, here we have it. The purpose of marriage is about something other than the marriage itself. And so in other words, a relationship that is built to last in the Christian context is actually supposed to remind us of the relationship that exists between Jesus Christ and the church. It means, you know, that it, the, the relationship is meant to portray or to, or to resemble the kind of relationship that exists between Jesus Christ and the church. That is the primary purpose for which God has given us relationships and marriage specifically. Because listen to his instruction to husbands again. And just listen to the words. Listen, uh, you know, allow your mind to paint pictures. He says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. He says, the nature of the relationship between the man and the woman should resemble that of the relationship between Jesus and the church. And just think about that for a moment. How many of the problems and issues that we have would have been avoided if the nature of our relationships resembled that of Jesus Christ and the church? Think about it. How many hours of therapy would have been avoided? You know, how much money would have been saved if we constructed our relationships to resemble the relationship between Jesus and the church. And the second thing is this. Paul calls it a mystery, a profound mystery. And he must have been able to see that when God designed the institution of marriage in the beginning, so in Genesis, he must have, Paul must have been able to see that when God did that in the beginning, God also had in mind the work of Christ and the church in the New Testament. That is how Paul is able to tie the original statement regarding marriage in Genesis chapter 2 and tie it to what Jesus does for the church in the New Testament. That is the profound link that he makes, you know, that I would not have ever been able to make, but Paul was able to make, to be able to see that when God created marriage in the beginning, he already had in mind Jesus. He already had in mind the sacrifice. He already had in mind the church and that relationship that would exist between the two. And this, for me, is the greatest, is one of the greatest purposes in marriage, which is to picture the relationship between Christ and his redeemed people forever. And for the basis of, uh, for the purposes of this series, you know, let us try and recapture that and restate it. The, the mission of biblical love relationships is to help the other person become all that God created them to be. I'll say that again. That the mission of biblical love relationship is actually to help the other person become all that God created them to be. This is the higher purpose. 
This is the glue that will hold you together through the highs and the lows of life. When all the things that happen in life happen, this is the glue that will hold you together. This is the anchor that will anchor your relationship. And the question obviously is, how do we go about doing this? And according to the passage that we have just read, the answer is abundantly clear. How we go about doing this is through selfless service. Selfless, selflessly serving the next person. Just think about uh, and listen to what, uh, some of what Paul said. He said, wives should submit in everything to their own husbands. I don't think it gets more selfless than that. But it's also not one-sided. It's not unidirectional. It is both directional. You know, it is two-directional. So basically, he also turns to the husband and says, Love your wives as Christ loved the church. And the question is, how did Christ love the church? Well, he gave himself up for her. That is service. He served the church by laying down his life for her, for the purpose of helping her become everything God created her to be. And so in relationships, we are invited, you and I are invited to play a role in what God is doing in the life of the other person. And how we do this, we do it through selflessly serving that person. Therefore, to summarize, to sum this whole thing up, my role in the relationship is to serve my partner become all that God created them to be, full stop. My role in the relationship is to help my partner become all that God created them to be. And if you and I understand this one thing in relationships, I can assure you right now that it will significantly decrease our stress levels. It will significantly decrease our frustration. Because take note, and this is very important, what Paul does when he writes this letter. Take note of this. Does Paul say, wives, remind your husbands to love you? You know, does he say, wives, demand love from your husbands? That, he doesn't say any of that. What he does say instead is this. He says, wives, submit to your own husbands in everything. He doesn't even say, wives, if your husbands love you like Christ loves the church, therefore, then uh, submit to them in everything. And in the same way, you know, even to the husbands, he doesn't say, husbands, remind your wives that their responsibility in life is to submit to you. He doesn't say, if your wife submits to you in everything, then love her like Christ loved the church. But what it says is simply this, husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And I am telling you right now that many relationships would be significantly transformed overnight if you and I understood this simple truth, that my role in the relationship is to serve my partner, become all that God created them to be. And this has huge implications about how we relate with one another. You know, the reason that I am in this relationship is to serve the other person and not to demand them to serve me. I am not a needy person wanting you know, validation and affirmation from the other person. I am a whole person with something to contribute to make my partner a better version of themselves. I am not a half looking for another half to complete me. In Christ Jesus, I am whole. I am complete. I have something to contribute. 
And so, few things to note before I end about this commission. I mean, this uh, common mission that we find uh, in this passage of scripture. The first one is that it is directional. There is a destination. And that destination is for my partner to become all that God created them to be. Second thing is that it is objective and not subjective. In other words, it's not all about me and all that I want. It's all about what God is doing in each of us through the selfless service of each of us. And the third thing to note is that it is life-giving, not life-sucking. Each person's primary desire is to give and not to take, to serve and not to be served. And this is the vision that God had for relationships. This is the way that God wants us to engage in relationships. And in conclusion, I just want to leave you with this one thing. I want you to think about it, maybe have a discussion or a, a, yeah, a discussion with your, with your spouse, with the person that you're in relationship with. And I want you to ask this question. And the question is, do we have a shared mission for our relationship? You know, is there a common purpose that we share that is outside of the relationship? Why is this important? It is important because without a common shared purpose or mission, the relationship will become frustrating. That's because without our knowledge, we will be constantly pulling in different directions and the relationship will go nowhere. And it will end with both of us being frustrated with one another and with the relationship. And so what if, you know, just thinking aloud, what if we have this discussion and we find that there is no common purpose or mission? This is what I want you to do. I want you to take note of that and then begin the process of having discussions where you are uh, trying to, to get to a place where you agree upon a purpose that will be shared by the two of you because you need that thing. That is the thing that will ground you. That is the thing that will anchor the relationships through the ups and downs, the highs and the lows and the storms of lives. And so relationships that are built to last are made up of people who each have a personal mission that is mirrored in the other person. In other words, it is two people who each have the same mission and passion in life who come together and then are able to work together towards that same destination. And this is why it's important for you to have a personal mission, a personal purpose. You need to have that even before you enter into a relationship so that you can share that with the person that you are in relationship with. And if you find that your life has no mission or sense of purpose, what better place to look for that than in relationship with the God who created you? And so... I would like to invite you into a relationship with the God who created you through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, the message of Christianity is that we had a perfect relationship with God in the beginning. And this relationship was broken because we chose sin over God. We chose other things other than God. And Jesus dying on the cross. He was dying on behalf of your sins and on behalf of my sins so that we may not have to die for our own sins, but rather that if we accept what Jesus has done for us and believe in him, that we get the gift of eternal life, which basically is a restored relationship with God.
And you can do this, you know, by praying a simple prayer, which involves acknowledging and confessing your own sins and accepting what Jesus has done for you on the cross and asking God to make you his own. And if you have never made this decision and you feel that you would like to make it now, you can make it right there where you are. You can pray a prayer to God. And I can assure you that he is listening and he will hear you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much, Lord, for your word, Father. Thank you so much for all that we have learned. Thank you for the principles that work regardless of who we are, regardless of whether we have a relationship with you or not. I pray, Father, for each and every person that you help us to be able to apply the principles in our lives and that we are able to see drastic changes, uh, positive improvements in the relationships that we have. I pray, Father God, for those that are at a place where they want to, to put their faith in the finished work of the cross, where they want to accept you. I pray, Lord Jesus, that indeed you may transform their lives, that you may give them a sense of mission and a sense of purpose in their lives as you make them a new creation. We pray for all this in Jesus Christ's mighty name. Amen. And so if you decided for the first time that you would like to take that step of faith and accept Jesus into your life, we are excited. I am excited for you. This is the best decision of your life. And we would actually like to know all about it. And so if you're on Church Center or on, on the Church Center platform, you'll be able to see a link that says, I gave my life to God. Click that link, fill in the form, and we will get to know about it and celebrate with you. Well, I hope that today you have been helped, you know, to think deeply and critically about the purpose of your relationships or your marriage that you are in right now. And so take care, you know, enjoy the rest of the week and we'll see you next week for part two. Thank you, Pastor Mondley, on such a profound message about the mission of marriage. May we be able to live that out in our lives. Once again, happy Mother's Day. We hope that all mothers get spoiled rotten today. Remember to wish your mother and all the mother figures in your life a happy Mother's Day. And if you're able to just, you know, buy them a little token to say thank you, please do so. Have a blessed week.